Thank you, Devin. Well, this morning we continue our series in the Gospel of Luke, uh, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ as, as God led a medical doctor to record very exactly the things that have been taught. In fact, the whole instance there was that Luke said, I'm going to teach you the truth about the things you've been taught. Some things we, let's just be honest, the things we've been taught in the past about various subjects, whether it be in school or from other sources, and we find out later that which we had been taught was not true or was not accurate. We have a whole word for that in our day and age. It's called news, but it's not true news. It's fake news. Well, it's not fake news. This is the, this is the real stuff. And so this morning we're going to be looking at an account in the life of Jesus in which he really kind of gets down to the foundational truth about that which we really need to know about. In fact, he, he earlier, and we're going to see in the text, he says, if, if you don't get this, then I might as well just stop teaching you because you're not going to understand what comes next. So let's look to the Lord in prayer as we look in God's Word this morning. Father, we pray as we uh, gather together today that you might speak into our lives, and we know that you've already done that through... Uh, teaching hymns and uh, sharing words and uh, prayers brought to you and uh, bringing us in your presence. And now we pray as we look in your word in a focused way that you might allow our, our minds to be alert to what you have to say to us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I titled the message this morning, The Truth About Who Gets It. Um, and, and really, this is, this is kind of, a, if you were to put a singular truth to a familiar story or a familiar account that Jesus gave, recorded in all three Gospels, uh, this is really the heart of it. Uh, have you ever been in a situation where uh, maybe someone told a joke and everyone's laughing, but you, you aren't, and you're thinking, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't get it, what's the punchline? And then if, if people keep laughing, you think, well, I'm going to start laughing even though I don't understand what I'm laughing about because I don't want to look like the fool. Well, in, in many ways, when Jesus would teach, some, you know, sometimes the, the light would go on in some people's minds, and other people, they got that dazed look. Uh, this is what he speaks about this morning. And it's not about you know, missing the punchline. It, it's missing the truth that changes everything. And if you've been with us, uh, particularly last week, we, we looked at, for me, as one of the more challenging applicational stories where, where Jesus has a, a special dinner out and the, the host misses the point. And we're going to look at why he missed the point a little bit today. But but there was one who did, and it was the most unlikely person in terms of the religious crowd as they were looking at the people who would not get things from God. This would have been the person they would have picked, and the person who did not get it would have been the person they would have thought would have gotten it. And at the point of that story was the, the people who, who don't see their need of Jesus, they really miss it. And, and even for us who may have made that point, if we don't really understand the depths of what it meant to be found by Jesus, we, we miss living it out. Because he put it this way, the, the people who are forgiven little love little, but the people who are forgiven much love much. And, and so if somehow our, our relationship with, with, with God is rather casual, then we have missed it because we were dead in our sins, in our trespasses. We, we were going down the last time in terms of that drowning experience, and apart from God reaching down through His Son through the cross, we would be condemned forever. And we realize that's not for the person next to you, that's you. And we love little if we think somehow we didn't need to be forgiven very much. But as we all know, uh, just like particularly preachers, you know, once you preach one Sunday, you know in seven days what's going to happen. There's going to be another Sunday. 
And, and so Jesus moves on. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8, and we're going we're gonna to read kind of the introduction of this. And I'm going to read the entire passage and then kind of go back and look at, I don't need to use the word kind again. I'm going to read the entire passage, and then I'm going to make some statements about it. And we're going to try to make this message uh, that has so many, it may, maybe has a primary application with many implications, and we're not going to go through all of them, but we're going to try to, to get what I think God wants us to get this morning. Soon afterwards, and we don't know how soon the afterwards were, but he had had the encounter with Simon in his home and with the, the woman who was bathing his feet with her tears and, and pouring expensive perfume over his feet and just expressing love in demonstrative ways. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another. So Jesus, he kept on, he kept on proclaiming the, the good news, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with them, and also some women who had been healed and evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And jo- Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to the, their support out of their private means. Now, we could look at this devotionally, we're not, but some, sometimes we think that the women have a lower profile in the New Testament. And in some ways, you could maybe try to validate that, but a lower profile doesn't mean a, not a significant profile. You don't hear a whole lot about the men contributing to the, the ministry of Jesus, but you have the women here. They got it. Because if we give God's our heart, we also give them our pocketbook. We say, I'm supporting what you're doing. This is, this is life-changing. And so they get highlighted here. Uh, but as we look at Jesus going, now we, we have Jesus kind of stopping for a moment, and he begins to speak. And what I want to do is read the account of the parable of the sower, and then we'll go back and look at, look at what it might mean for us. And actually for anyone who understands this this powerful parable. And a parable, you've probably heard this word picture of it. A parable is an is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so he gives a very familiar story to them. Maybe not so much to us. Most of us are not agrarian. Maybe you grew up in an agrarian or farm environment. But they, they could visualize everything he was saying here. And then he was going to bring it to a point. When a large crowd was coming together and those from various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road. And it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. And I'll make some running commentaries on that. Basically saying you've got got this person who's going to be broadcasting seed, and I guess that's the methodology in which he used. He had seed at his hip, put his hand in there, and he'd start throwing it. He would just cast it. And he cast it, you know, part of it landed on some rather firm ground because it was the pathway by which people went from point A to point B. And if you go down a path for any length of time, that ground gets compacted. And when it got compacted, the seed was on top, and it wasn't long before some, some things came and took it away. And it says that the birds came and, and, and ate up that which could have brought life from the ground up to a fruitful experience. Other cell fell on rocky ground, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And he said, now it goes to another type of ground. And when you think of that type of ground, you're thinking, well, that must have been worse than the trampled you know, pathways. But actually, when he says rocky ground, most of us are thinking about maybe, maybe you've done some hiking, and you're, you're now going not on dirt but on rocks. And he said, that's not what I'm talking about here. 
This rocky ground looks pretty good on the surface. But he's talking about what is below the surface. And maybe you've had that experience where you're, you're planting something and you realize it's not growing, and then you decide to put your shovel in, and you realize right below that part of the ground is just rocks. And in Israel, there's, there's limestone in many of the places where there's two or three inches of, of dirt, and some of it looks very fertile, but right beneath it is just rock. Some go on rocky soil, and, it's, and, it, it, and as it grows, it withers away because it has no moisture. Because you only have a couple inches of dirt, two or three inches of dirt, there's not be a whole place for the water to be contained there. Then he goes, other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And maybe you've had that experience. You're, you're trying to plant something, and, and something grows up a little bit more vigorous than what you planted. And what, what are those? Weeds. Oh, it didn't take you long to, to say that, right? Well, I, what, where, where did they come from? Where, where did all these weeds come from? I, th- I thought I planted grass and all I see are the things I don't want in my lawn. And, and pretty soon, depending upon how many weeds you have, it chokes out all the good grass and all you have is a, is a lawn full of weeds. And then he goes, other seed fell onto the, uh, into the good soil and it grew up and, and produced a crop of a hundred times as great. And in case I don't say this earlier, I'm preaching this a little bit different in the first service. Uh, in the other parallel accounts, in Matthew and Mark, he said it, it grows not just a hundredfold. Some has thirtyfold, and some has sixtyfold, and some has a hundredfold. And he said to these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now at this point, they're hearing the sound of the words coming out of Jesus' mouth. They, they, they have learned that this might be on the test. I better listen. And so they're listening, particularly the 12. But it's, it's a little bit not quite clear. Verse 9, his disciples began questioning him, saying, as to what this parable meant. And he said this to him, which is very intriguing. To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see... And hearing, they may not understand. Now, that's, that's kind of strange talk, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're giving somebody to look at something, but they're going to look at it, and they're, they're not going to see what they are supposed to see. They're, they're simply not going to get it. And other people, they're, they're going to hear the sounds, but in hearing it, they're, they're not going to be able to comprehend. Now, what's interesting about this passage he quotes is from the Old Testament, the other gospel writers give a longer version of it because of who their audience is but in terms of the gospel written, uh, more of a Jewish audience, particularly in Matthew. And it's the story of, of Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, if you remember, he sees the vision of God and who's going to go. And he said, uh, go, send me. I'm going I'm to go for you. And you're thinking, what a, what a noble man is going to go out and speak for God. And then right after that, it goes on and say, oh, by the way, when I send you, no one's going to really listen to you. Or if they do listen to you, they're not going to understand. Anybody want to sign up for that? I mean, you're doing everything right, but it, nothing's happening. And so he quotes that here. He says, now for you, you're supposed to get it, but the rest of them, they're not. Now, a backdrop here is that Jesus now in, in our gospel account here, he, he's, he's about halfway through here. He's been going for a year and a half, and he's been preaching the message to people who should have gotten it and did not. In fact, not only did they not get it, they didn't simply say, I I think you've got a few things not correct in your theology. He said, you are actually from the evil one. 
everything that you were doing. And they could not deny that he had done the miraculous and the powerful. But what they said is you do it by the power of Satan. Now, this is pretty hard rejection, isn't it? And so he says, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm, I have, I've quit speaking to you. Because you said no so many different times, I'm moving on. And I'm going to pick in a, I'm going to speak now in a, in a genre which most people think makes things clearer, but sometimes stories don't make things clearer. Now I'm going to, you know, confession is good for the soul, so I'll, I will confess things openly here. Anybody remember in English class when you were growing up, the poetry section when you had a, everyone in class had to read poems and figure out what they meant and, and just share out of your heart the, the deep meaning behind those very fanciful words? Anybody remember that? Come on now. I'm the only one? Okay, that was very traumatic for me as I was growing up. Okay, you know, I'm reading these poems. Everybody's, you know, defining what's in there. I'm thinking, where are you getting that? I don't read that in there. I don't get that in there. Because I'm reading the poem. I have, I have eyes to see, but I'm not seeing it. And if someone reads it, I, I have ears to hear, but I'm not hearing what it's all about. And I know some of you are poetic, and I, I marvel at your talent, but I didn't have that talent. And I'm thinking, when are we getting over this section here? Okay, because it was, it was there, but I didn't get it. And that's what he's saying here. Sometimes a story, or let me use a more modern-day you know, experience. Have you, ever, have you ever watched a commercial, and after you watch it, you go, what in the world are they trying to, to sell? I mean, that was awesome, but... I don't know what you're trying to advertise here. I, I didn't get it. And then sometimes, you know, I've already talked about joking. Someone gets the punchline and you're not getting it or, or whatever it might be. There are times that, that it seems like you're just clueless. Now, that might be because of a lack of, uh, most of the times, a lack of ability on our part. I mean, I don't have that poetic gene or whatever it might be. Or, you know, I, if I spend time long enough, I can get it. But, I mean, some people just instantaneously. But these people had rejected that which could have been understood because they weren't willing to hear the truth. He said, unto you is given the ability to understand the mysteries of God. Now, again, this is kind of a hand-raised type of thing. How many of you like mysteries? You like to read mystery books, okay? Or you like to watch the mystery movies and whodunit type stuff. And so are the, these are the people who are going to put the jigsaw puzzle together. And I hate jigsaw puzzles. Okay, I'm not really a mystery writer, a reader either. Uh, but he's not talking about that kind of mystery. He said, I'm going to give you the ability to understand those things that have not been revealed, but are being revealed now. And, and some of the reasons, now we're talking from a kind of a theological perspective, why they didn't get it is because their, their picture of what God was going to do by their understanding of the Old Testament had not been really revealed clearly. When they thought of the Messiah coming, and they might have had some amazing thoughts about who he'd be like, but it wasn't clear that he would be the God-man. He'd be both God and man. They, di they didn't really understand the concept that when Jesus would leave, that Christ would live in them. They didn't understand that, that God was going to take his covenant people, Israel, and he was going to combine it with the Gentile world, and they'd be one, they'd be one people in the church. They didn't understand what God was going to do in the future with the rapture of his people. They didn't understand what was going to happen when the evil one would come as far as the Antichrist and he would be the, the man of lawlessness and evil incarnate almost. There were, there were a number of mysteries they didn't get, but, but he was revealing that. Do they understand the kingdom of God, God's reign uh, in the lives of people and then the kingdom that was to come? And so he said, I'm, I want you to understand, I'm going to be telling you some parables and these parables uh, are things that, people are not going to get. 
And what we're going to get to this morning is, well, why didn't they? And it's, it's pretty straightforward. And, and so they said, uh, now the parable, uh, we didn't quite get it, so can you kind of explain this to us? So in verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so they will not believe and be saved. In case you're thinking to it in terms of the order that, remember that, that roadside, that path that people were walking, they compressed the ground, the seed landed, but it wasn't soft ground, so it was up on top. And what's up on top, you know, the wind could have taken it, but what happened is the birds came, and really that was symbolic of Satan coming and taking that which God had planted. And he says, the rocky soil, and again, that's just not rocky on the top, but rocky below. Those on the rocky soil, verse 13, are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and they have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. And, and really, let's just be really clear. In the parables, you're supposed to get the main point before you try to dissect all the, the little minor points here. Is What's the whole goal if you plant something? For it to grow and bear fruit, that it be really alive. You don't, I mean, there are many times you see something butt up and you're all excited. I remember as a little kid, if, if I was, I didn't do this too often because I have more of a brown thumb than a green thumb. But, you know, if I planted little carrots, remember those little things they had you do in science class? You know, as soon as the thing butt up, I wanted to pick out the thing. Is there a carrot beneath there, right? But let, let, let's say it buds out and it looks so healthy on the top. But when it's supposed to be decided, let's find, figure out if there's anything, you know, in there. And you dig it up and there's nothing Whatever was supposed to be there, it's not there. And you don't celebrate that it looks good. You want the fruit to bear or the plant to bear. And so that's what happens with the rocky soul. And then you talk about the seed which fell among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked. And we all know about, you know, he had a lot of weeds. That's going to destroy whatever you planted. Well, what destroys that which is planted in this kind of ground? He says, and as they go away on their way, they're choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. The whole, whole purpose of planting something is to, is to bear a crop. No one harvests anything that's unharvestable. I still have two orange trees, one that's been there for 10 years and one that's been there for seven, still have no fruit. Okay. That's not my goal, right? That's not my goal. And then he says, but, though, but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance, which means that they don't, they don't have a short lifespan. And this is, this is something that has to have an ongoing relationship that bears fruit in an ongoing way. Now, now, Jesus explained the story, and we're going to back it up a little bit and say, okay, let's, let's put some handles on it for our Western mind that can maybe understand that in a clear way. Basically, he's talking about, hey, the story's getting out. We've already sung about, I love to tell the story. And the story's pretty simple. The, the story is about we're, God's holy, God's righteous, God is loving, and he wants people to know him and have a relationship with him. But there's a problem. That problem is sin. And, and and as that sin separates us from God, God sent the answer. And that answer is in his son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins, rose again. And then we must respond. And when we respond, we experience the life and bear fruit of that life in our lives. Well, if that be true, there isn't any better message than that. That's good news. 
Now, the reality is with, with everything that's good, if it's good news, for it to, to, it to be described as good, there probably has to be a corresponding what kind of news? Bad news. The good news is those who respond, they experience life and they bear fruit. The bad news is those who do not truly believe and trust in Him, they will not have life. And there's a judgment that's coming. So this was foundational to, to those who had ears to hear and eyes to truly see. We're going to get a message out there, just like Isaiah, Isaiah sent out, was sent out the messenger there. And in that message, some are going to hear and some are not going to hear. Some are going to, they're going to hear the sounds, but they're not going to get it. Well, how do we understand that? Well, let's look at it really quickly in the few minutes we have left. Why do some people reject the gospel? Well, let's talk about what it's not three, in three different ways and then what it is. It's not, it's not the messenger. It's not the sower. Remember, who is the sower? The sower is one who's casting out the seed. And sometimes, and I want to put it this way, sometimes we who have experienced Christ, we don't share that. So we, we, we just sung, I love to tell the story, but some of us were liars when we were saying that. Would we agree? I know I, I need to love to tell the story, but I don't really tell the story. Now, I, I'm, not trying to be ha- I'm not trying to hammer us here this morning, but there's times in my life when I haven't loved to tell the story. Well, why haven't I loved to tell the story? Well, sometimes you've heard this, if, uh, if they can't kill the message, they'll kill the what? The messenger. <laughs> I'd rather not be killed. I'd, ra- I'd rather not get the grief that I'll get if I become the messenger. And then, then sometimes I'll, I'll play with that idea in my mind and think, well, I, I can't be the messenger because I don't know enough. Or if I do think I know maybe enough, I'm afraid that when I communicate, I'll get it wrong. You ever thought that way? I don't want to mess it up. I, I want somebody else to tell the story because it, it's, it, 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 I, I feel so inadequate as a messenger. In this parable, there's nothing said about how good this broadcaster is. He's just broadcasting the seed. He's throwing out the seed. It's not about, it's not about being a perfect messenger. The perfect messenger does not change people. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, it's interesting, he, he has been put in prison, and uh, he, you know, he was the Billy Graham of his day, and, and all of a sudden he, his audience shrunk. He could only tell the story to his, the people who were his, his guards. And then there were people talking about Jesus, other messengers out there, and, and some got back to him and said, you know, some people are really doing it because they love you and they want to fall, finish your ministry out and, and be what God wants them to be, but some... I don't want to be judgmental here, but I want to question their motives because they're doing it, they're doing it to spite you, and, and they're doing it to elevate themselves. And I, I was wondering, should we stop them? And, and Paul goes, whether in pretense or in truth, as long as Christ has preached, I rejoice. So we knew those messages were wrong, but the, the, the issue was the message was getting out. So, so set yourself free. We just, we just, we just get out the message. You know, no one is led to Christ by a perfect messenger. They're only led to Christ by the message. Secondly, it's not the method, the strategy. You're thinking, well, couldn't he be a little bit smarter? Don't throw it on the path. Don't throw it on the rocky ground. Don't throw it where there are a lot of weeds. Well, you don't always know if there's weeds underneath the ground. You don't know if there's a layer of limestone underneath. You don't know if maybe that path has some places where it, it will grow. It's not, the, it's not the method. Paul uh, told Timothy, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And let's be honest, is it sometimes we don't share our faith because, well, I don't, I don't know if it's the right time. 
Anybody, anybody know anybody else that have ever thought that? Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if this is the right time to talk. And, and again, I'm not saying we shouldn't be discerning and, and realize what's a better setting, but, but we ought to err on being more vocal than less vocal. Would we agree with that? This is being in, whether it's the perfect time or not, whether it's a good time or a bad time, be prepared to share. And he told Timothy, who didn't really see himself as an evangelist, in 2 Timothy 4 5, he says, uh, do the work of an evangelist. We don't have to have the gift of the evangelist. We just have to describe great, great things Jesus has done for us. So it's not, it's not the messenger why people reject the gospel. It's not the method. And it's, it's, it's not the message. There's nothing wrong with the message. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You can't improve on the message, so just get the message out. But is the matter of the heart? As, as he tells this story, it's all about the soil, isn't it? What kind of soil does the seed land on? It's not the sower, sower it's not the method in which he's sowing the seed. It was a, it was a method they used back then. Um, but it was the matter of the heart, the soil. In Ephesians 4.18, Paul writes, Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. Why? Because of their ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Now, we, we do know people who... Who said, don't, you know, we've, you know, this is kind of a cliche today, but um, my mind is made up, don't confuse me with the, with the facts. You know, I've already decided. Well, you can't, you can't teach someone who doesn't want to be taught. You can't help people know something that doesn't want to know anything. They feel they know it all. But the idea here is to recognize it's, it's not us being in it, incapable of, of speaking. There's something wrong with us. It's the soil. Now, on our part, you know, we can't do a whole lot of soil testing. But what we don't want to beat ourselves up when people don't respond. What we want to do is get the message up. So what kind of heart will get it? Let's go, let's go back to the soils a little bit. Talked about the, the soil that was pictured in uh, the pathway or the, the, the path by which people walked on. And how would you describe that? I would put it this way. It's a hard heart. It's that in which when the message gets out, it just stays on the top. Well, who are these people? These are people who are too resistant to listen to God. It's the people, figuratively, that have got their hands over their ears. I don't want to hear it. 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 And why don't people want to hear it? Well, let me give you three reasons. Number one, John 3.19 is close to what other verse? John 3.16. You know, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten, um, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Doesn't get any better than that. But then in John 3 19 says, Well, there are people who, who love the darkness. And, and why do they love the darkness? Because their deeds are evil. And so there is the number one reason why people won't respond to the gospel because they don't want they don't want their lives to be changed. They 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 want to live in their sin. Now we and Jesus did as well. We share the message so that they might see there's light. Why would you want to live in darkness when there's light? But, but when, bottom line, when they choose not to respond, it's because they love what they're doing more than loving the God who can set them free. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, that familiar account where Jesus says, If you don't confess to me before men, I won't confess you before my what? Father. And why is it? Some people, and this is tr particularly true of the Pharisees and religious leaders that day, they were afraid of man. 
For some of them, they knew if they embraced Jesus, they'd get kicked out of the synagogue. They probably wouldn't be able to, to be at the temple anymore. They were more afraid what, what their friends felt than what God felt and believed about them. The other thing we need to recognize is there's, there's a spiritual darkness and there's a, it's a spiritual war. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, we have it very plainly said that, that the evil one blinds the mind of the unbelieving. So there's a hard soul. Secondly, there's a, shallow, there's a shallow soil and there's a shallow heart. And that was the point where you had the, the, rocky, the rocky ground and you had the two or three inches of fertile ground and then right below it you had the limestone. And this describes people as well. And these are people you could say are too superficial to listen to God. You know, they, they're, they're kind of, you ever do that as well? I mean, sometimes we're in the, the era of multitasking. Anybody ever multitask here? Okay. They say that only women do that, um, but I, there's a lot of men who do that as well. You're just doing two things at once. Usually we do that when we're watching the ball game and listening to our wives. You know, that's usually when we multitask. Is that, you know, it's when we're, we're doing two things at once or two or three or four or five things at once. And, and when that happens, it, how attentive are we? You know, we're, we're kind of superficially listening to the person next to us or whatever it might be. And, and that's, that's a heart that's not going to hear from God. And, and, and that's the idea of, of realizing it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Because this was a soil in which it, it looked good for a moment, but it didn't last. Jesus said in John eight thirty one, Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. The word abide is to remain. If you stay true to the word of God, it's not that which saves you, but it will indicate that you are saved. Suffering should make the, the true believer strong. And after grace, you suffered for a little while. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And sometimes that's what happens. People, people take off because it, the Christian life isn't always easy, is it? And so that's a test to see if it's, if it's really true. So you have, what kind of heart do you have? What kind of soil is the gospel planted in? There's a, there's a hard soil and a hard heart. There's a shallow heart. And then there's a, a weed-infested heart. Or if you want to put one, there's a thorny heart. And I want to be as practical with this as possible. How would you describe a person that's, that's weed-infested? This, this is a person that's too busy to listen to God. It's interesting in this whole parable, you have two things going on. You have the soil, but also you could say you could, you could talk about the hearing or the ears to hear. You, you can't hear it very well if you hear superficially. You can't hear very well if you're resistant. You can't hear very well if you're too busy. And, and what are these people too busy about? They're overly concerned either about the negative things in their life. That's what the worries of this world are. Do you ever get pre preoccupied about all the things that are going wrong? I mean, I, I do at times. You know, it just, it, you know, it, when things just keep happening over and over and over and over again, you just get consumed by that. And, and then sometimes it's the things you want to do, the dreams or, or anticipations of things you, you'd like to be able to, you know, conquer or experience. And it's the pleasures of this world or whatever you might want to say. It's the things you could obtain. And all of a sudden, all this begins to crowd out God. And you're saying, well, you know, I still love God, but, and then the but is all these things that are consuming you because of the pain or attracting you because of the, the gain, and, and all of a sudden, there is no God there. Well, yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't, but 
there's no God there because you're, you're too busy for God. It's already to be busy, but if you're too busy for God, who is God to you? And isn't that what Jesus said in, in, uh, in Matthew 6, 24? Uh, no one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, we all need mammon, which is uh, we're basically for money. But if you're serving money, if, if, or you're serving pleasures, or you're over-concerned about whatever else, in the, you, then that is God to you at that moment. And if that's the pattern of your life, you know, what kind of soil are you? You know, decide what's most important to you. In 1 John, it said, you, you can't love this world and love God as well. So what's the point this morning? You know, and it's kind of a sobering type thing. Uh, and before I um, get to what the point is, let me, let me talk about the heart who gets it. This is, this is, the, this is the seed that falls on fertile ground. This is the ground you want to plant things in. Well, what kind of a, a ground or a heart is that? And I would put it this way. It's a heart that's, that's honest. If you're going to know God, you're going to have to be honest with Him. Isn't that true? You, you, can't, you can't play games with God. You've got to be honest with Him. You know, where are you and what is your desire in life? Are you getting preoccupied with things that that aren't going to last. And how would I describe that as far as a person who's really listening to God? It's those open and willing to listen to God. And we've already talked about that. You, you, you can't talk to someone who doesn't really want you to talk to them. You, you, you can't talk and really communicate with people who don't really want to listen. And, and we're not the judge of that. God is the judge of that. We, we can't tell which soil people are. But as we look back at it and we look at our own lives, this should be, this should be that which mirrors us. I was, I was reading this past week, and I, I forgot to write down the, the author who wrote this, but I thought it was pretty powerful. He said, um, as you think about Jesus telling a story, and sometimes he told stories to make it clear, and sometimes he told stories not to make it clear. But he says a parable starts off in a picture that is familiar to listeners. It, it arouses the interest of some but it becomes indifferent and proud, and people shrug it off for those who really don't care. The picture or the parable or the story becomes a mirror in which you see yourself, and many people simply don't want to see what they look like. And see, the parable, the, the parable of the sower, it was indicative of the disciples. They, they had ears to hear because they said, I heard it, but I really want to understand it, so they asked questions. The rest of the crowd they heard the story. Well, that was kind of interesting. And then they took off. Or someone said, that's not very interesting. I don't care to hear about that. But those who wanted to understand are the ones who did understand. I have a friend of mine who says that often what you understand about getting it with God, it's like light is like a, like a dimmer switch. You know, God, if you'll respond to the light that you're seeing or the the words that you're hearing or the sound, he'll either raise the volume up so you get to hear more, but if you reject it, he'll turn it down. You'll either get less light or more light if you'll take the light that you receive and respond to it. If you take what you hear and listen to it intently, he'll give you more things to hear. But if you're not going to hear the things I've already told you, why should I go any further? Well, how do you know if you have an open and willing heart that you're listening carefully? In John chapter 7, verse 17, 
This is an amazing verse. He says, if anyone is willing to do his will, he shall know the teaching, whether it is from God or whether I speak for myself. What I like so powerfully about Jesus, in so many ways, not only what Jesus said, but all those who he inspired to write Bible or Scripture for us, is everyone, anyone can qualify. It's, it's, our relation with God is not based on our IQ or how much education or training we have. It's really dealing with our willingness. Anybody can be willing. That's a, that's a choice, isn't it? If anyone is willing to know this is true, I'll give you enough light to convince you it is true. In a negative way, in Matthew chapter 23, I haven't, I've got the reference there. Jesus is talking about all of his ministry to the people who had heard the message in person from the messenger who always had the right method and always gave the message clearly. And he said, I, I wish I could gather you into my arms like a, like a hen with a little chickadees, you know. But you were unwilling. What an indictment. It wasn't you weren't smart enough or... or uh, this was above your pay grade, or, you know, if you just had more of the prerequisites, you would have got it, or if you'd had this kind of a social experience, it was just, they were unwilling. So what's, what's the bottom line for us? Is we need to ask ourselves the question, what kind of heart do we have? Do we have a hard heart? Do we have a shallow heart? Do we have a weed-infested, thorny Busy heart, or, or do we have an open, honest, willing heart? Because these are the true followers of Jesus Christ. And as we tell the story, we're, we're just looking to get that message out to people who are open, honest, and willing. And what will happen, there will be, be a bearing of fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And it's what God does, and we're just willing participants in it. What kind of heart do you have? Are you cultivating the ground that God has given you to be open, honest, and willing for God to speak to you? Let's pray. Our Father, as we look at this parable, this earthly story of the heavenly meaning, might, might it run deep into our lives? And if we've been somehow living a shallow life, might we say, God, I don't want to live that life. And that's an indication we really know you. If we've been kind of hard to your truth, or we've been, we've been distracted by the things that might be good and important, but not the most important, might you grab us this morning? We simply want to be open, honest, and willing to be the person you want us to be for, for your glory and for your praise. We want to be people who love a lot because we see all that you've done for us. Help us each to be that kind of heart or soil today. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's stand as we sing this morning.